Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Femo Babs podcast. In this episode I talk with Giselle about becoming a feminist, being a journalist, friendships, male feminists and more. Make sure to check out her articles online at The Daily Life and don't forget to find Femo Babes on Facebook and like the page for updates from me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi Giselle. Hi, how are you going? I'm good, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. What does being a feminist mean to you? Um, that is quite a broad question. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, like at the at the root of it all, it's just about like equality, obviously. Mm. But to me, it's an important thing because it's kind of opened me up to so many good kind of social circles and stuff. So, yeah. girl I gangs. mean, yes, girl gangs. And like I was just saying to you before, it's it's weird to meet people outside of that bubble now <laughs> so, like, which is like a good a good thing and a bad thing because it means that I'm like not prepared for real life anymore. yeah I'm always like if I meet someone and they don't have the same beliefs that I do and even I just get so like I'm, I'm sorry but what you yeah it's don't. crazy especially like like when when you're in certain internet groups and stuff and everyone's just kind of the same and has the same values and then you meet someone at work and it's always at work it's always at work yeah who says something that is just so hideous and you're like what but yeah so i mean feminism if you if you asked me maybe like 6 or 7 years ago i definitely would have not been interested mm-hmm. and if you told me when i was like 12 that one day i would be a vegan feminist i would have laughed in your face because <laughs> it was like all the things that i hated at that age but I think, yeah, I don't know, like it is obviously super important to me and it's just, I don't know, it's just such a big part of who I am now and just yeah. kind of trickles down into everything that I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you sort of remember when you started to think, actually, I think I'm a feminist? Yeah, so like I said, when I was in my teens, I really wasn't interested. And then, and because I kind of had a very stereotyped idea of what it meant so I was like well I definitely wear a bra and I shave so (laughs) yes I'm not a feminist and I'd always say like oh I'm not a feminist but and then say something actually pretty feminist um and then I went to uni and there was a girl in my one of my classes who was quite like quite a like quote unquote angry lesbian stereotype so she was always talking about feminism and I found it so annoying in class I was just like what like why are you doing this like why why does everything have to come back to this blah blah blah. and I kind of thought oh feminism is not really necessary because women have all the same rights as men how naive (laughs) how naive at the time I was like yeah women have all the right same rights as men um, feminism isn't so much wanting to be equal as them as it is wanting to overtake them, which actually sounds pretty good to me now. But like <laughs> right. at the time I was like, no. Um, so, I mean, pretty much all the kind of arguments against it that you'll see people saying now was yeah. me at some point. But I um, saw the light. Yes, I did see the light. <laughs> and, and it was largely because I was in this live journal group which is really dating me a lot here so it would have been about 2008 Mm -hmm. maybe so I would have been 20 19 or 20 um and I was in this live journal group and it was like a fashion like outfit of the day kind of thing like oh what I wore today and they had an offshoot community which was like off topic so it was the people from that fashion one just talking about anything um so I spent a lot of time on that and a lot of those people were feminists and kind of just started calling each other out on stuff and at first I was like oh I don't know like I don't I'm not really that interested but I remember reading stuff about like why you shouldn't call other girls sluts and I like this girl that I went to high school with um became a porn star after school and I remember saying something about it and being like oh so classy and someone was like like what makes you think that you're better than her and like what's wrong with that kind of thing and then I started thinking about it so that that was kind of the trigger Uh, but I also had a friend at uni who he was a guy like a a male feminist but not an annoying one and um (laughs) I remember saying like, oh, I'm not a feminist, blah. And I, I just remember us sitting there like at uni and him being like, well, like, why do you have to kind of like, you know, preface what you're saying with mm. I'm not a feminist? Like, why aren't you a feminist? So it was all that kind of stuff. And then um, I went to, I remember going to a slut walk like maybe five years ago. And then I moved to Melbourne in 2012. 
So I was already pretty interested in it by then, but um, then I started going to things like Cherche La Femme yeah. and kind of meeting more people in Melbourne. And I, I don't really know what, because I'm from Sydney and I don't know if the feminist community there is as strong as it is here because I wasn't really exploring it when I lived yeah. there. But I think definitely living here has really helped and kind of like meeting people and becoming involved in like groups and stuff that are pretty feminist. Like it's it's been nice and it's been good and I just... It's, it's pretty bizarre to think that it was ever any other way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of the same. I don't know if I... I don't know that I really thought about it at all. Mm. Which I guess was my privilege to not have to be like, hey, this is really unfair. Why? Because mm. I just wasn't interested in anything like that. And then when... Because I moved... We moved from... I'm from New Zealand. And so we came from mm. New Zealand to Melbourne in 2008. And just continued on as usual and then in like 2012 went to London and that's when I sort of was like I have to make some friends and I joined Mm. some like a feminist group there just yeah that's awesome because um I wanted to join this knitting group (laughs) uh that sounds great yeah (laughs) and that's how I'd made friends in Melbourne prior I had joined a knitting group that um, a girl had advertised on her blog and I was like I'm gonna go and so from there I sort of made a friend and she was really feminist and um yeah. But very gently sort of guided me in the yeah. direction. And Joseph's always been a feminist and um, he's my partner. And yeah. It's always been a very gentle sort of... Yeah. And I've just been like, maybe I should learn more about that. And then coming back to Melbourne, it was like straight into it, coming to Social FM and being like, this is great. And then getting involved in slut walk and stuff. And yeah, that's cool. And I think, especially like with me moving to Melbourne... Because um, most of my friends in Sydney were people that I'd grown up with. Mm. Um, and a lot of them didn't... We kind of moved in different directions, as you do. Yeah. Um, so when I moved away and kind of met people in those circles, that was kind of really refreshing and interesting for me because I felt like I was... Like, everything that I was thinking and what I was interested in was kind of moving away from the people that I'd always been around. Yeah. But... Um, especially because feminism has a lot more visibility now like a lot of those people have come around since and like my sister and stuff who definitely didn't used to be interested in that stuff she is now and so so that's nice (laughs) but yeah with your writing a lot of what you write about is friendships yeah what do you do when your friends are problematic burn them (laughs) 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 that's something that i really struggle with Uh, i mean i guess it depends what they're doing yeah like like the level of problematicness because yeah. everyone's a little bit pro right like i definitely <laughs> yeah. am oh no yeah but i think it depends like if someone says like the word lame or something which isn't great and i do it sometimes i'm like mm, not great but if someone's like like says the n-word or something i'd be like never yeah. speak to me again <laughs> so i don't know like it's i think friends friends you can pick but it's harder when it's family um which I well my all my family lives in Sydney so I don't come up against it as much now as I used to but um, I had a cousin who would always use the word rape like as like oh this like oh like watching tennis or whatever he'd go oh they're getting raped and I'm like can you actually not and then he got married to a girl who was exactly the same and I was like how how has this happened to me (laughs) Um, but um, with that I think it just kind of comes down to having to pick your battles and it. And I was really unhappy about that for a while because I was like, does that mean that I'm kind of like not being true to my values and yeah. like accepting defeat and stuff? But sometimes you just have to, especially yeah. when it's your family and yeah. you've said it a few times and they're still doing it. If you keep saying it, they'll probably still do it and they'll also hate you. So like <laughs> it's it's hard. It's tough. And I think he's a little bit better at it now than he used to be, but it's still not good. Yeah. So. I've been like my family's been so receptive to this podcast and they've been so amazing but I think they're still waiting for me to like say something really terrible about them because <laughs> my sister I said that I talked about her and one of them saying how much of an inspiration was to me but when I said to her how I mentioned her she was like oh no <laughs> but I was like no it was good <laughs> yeah yeah so friends like you can pick your friends so you can pick people who yeah. are kind of more similar to you and you know have good values and yeah. stuff but as much as I love my family, like we don't see eye to eye on everything. Yeah. So, so that's more of a challenge, I think. 
Yeah. And my mom's like, feminism. Oh, I hate those feminists. So much trouble. I'm like, well, uh, feel free to give back to your right to vote. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. I um, binge read all your articles last weekend. Oh, thanks. They're so good. I love the one that you wrote about not being able to go to Vietnam and mm. other people going there and stuff. That was... I got the mansplainiest email from someone about oh, that. Oh, wow. This guy, obviously a white man. <laughs> was like, hello, I have lived in Saigon for two years and I just wanted to let you know why I think you should live here. Oh, no. And he was like, it would really be a shame if you and your family never returned. And I was like, but you what, outlined an, the reasons. what an interesting opinion, yeah. Shane. <laughs> it was annoying because it was written really earnestly, so oh, I don't yeah. even think he was trying to be rude. But I was like, dude... I'm, so I'm 27. I'm like, I've thought about this for my entire life. And I, it wasn't me writing. It wasn't like an invitation for white dudes to be like, well, yeah. actually, I think what you mean is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's, that's not what I mean. How all. often do you get feedback from people, good or bad? Um, well, my email address is up on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah. So people contact me sometimes, like not heaps, not like Clemford level of yeah. inundation. But um, sometimes there have been nice ones. There have been really annoying ones too. So maybe a month ago I wrote about going back on antidepressants and I got an email from this man and he was like, uh, excuse me, what are your medical qualifications? What? And I was like, sorry, what? And he was like, I don't think that you should be talking about medication if you don't have qualifications. It's very irresponsible. And I was like, I was literally just talking about myself. You were talking about your own experience with it. Yeah. So everyone should be on Yeah, there. all the annoying emails I get are always oh, from wow. dudes, and I'm just like, just stop. <laughs> I, I do have, got... like, a, a male spam filter. I found a, um, in the, in the Facebook filtered inbox thing, I found a message the other day from a woman, and she was like, writing articles doesn't make you a journalist, and I was like, cool, <laughs> never really called myself one, Deborah. <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean it's just kind of comes with the territory there are really nice emails i get sometimes or people saying like i really enjoyed reading it blah blah blah. and then there are the shitty ones too but yeah i think anyone who has any kind of public platform is going to come up against people not liking their stuff sometimes yeah and i mean i guess like it's if someone hates it so much that they're inspired to tell me yeah. I think that's good, right? Because I always, I've always thought love and hate are both very strong emotions. And yeah. I'd rather someone hate what I'm doing than feel indifferent about it. Because I'm like, you still are feeling something. <laughs> even if it's hate and you want to burn me to the ground. Hey, they've that's read good. It. Yes. I have found with releasing these podcasts, because I put them out on Friday, mm-hmm. I get such a rush putting them out. And I yeah. Just get, by the end of Friday, I'm just kind of like an exhausted shell of myself when you <laughs> when you get your articles published do you feel the same thing or is it kind of like um well now it's once a fortnight rather than once a week because i started a new job and so I, initially with daily life it was once a week because i was filling in for someone else over the summer um and then they they were like please keep going but yeah i started a new job and was doing other freelancing so yeah. i was like i just want to keep it under control but um, yeah, no, I re- like I really because mine come out on Mondays and they usually publish around midnight. So when I wake up, it's already up. But then I have to just wait until primo internet time to <laughs> drop it on the people, so as many people are online as possible. But no, I like it and I really like getting feedback and stuff um, for it more on my own channels than the daily life one because yeah. there's heaps of annoying trolley people yeah. on that. But sometimes I wonder why they allow comments. Well, they turned off comments on the website, so there are some articles on the website that do have comments, but they're usually just the, like, politics ones and stuff. It's like when you look at the Age website and it's, like, the most commented ones are always the ones that are going to be the most controversial. And I'm like, why would you... I know that you're doing it because you want to encourage people to get really right up about it. Yeah, totally. So people, I mean... Badly with me. People say don't read the comments, but I love reading the comments. (laughs) So why? I love it. And I also hate it. I'm so angry and I'm just like, ah. And Joseph's always like, why did you read the comments on that? uh, It's it's disgusting and I just can't stop. (laughs) But um, Sometimes if I'm going to feel really justified in myself, I'm like, I'm going to read some terrible comments. And I wrote, so last Monday I got one published about being friends with your ex's exes. Yeah, it was really Um, good. I like it. Thank you. And I mean, a lot of women really liked that, but some really hated it. 
and some men really hated it. And that comment section was like, I was just, you know, that Michael Jackson popcorn gif of him just sitting there <laughs> eating the popcorn? It's me. And that's why that woman told me that writing a, an article doesn't oh, make me right. a journalist. But people were getting really angry about it. And this dude was like, oh, like, do you realize that women gossiping is like the oldest kind of stereotype in the book? And you think you're being like a radical feminist and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> shut up, Steve. I don't care. <laughs> A lot of people in the comments were like, well, I'm not going to be friends with my husband's <laughs> girlfriend because he left me for her. I'm like, okay, I didn't say that you have to be. I'm definitely, like, I'm not even friends with my exes, let alone their girlfriends or their exes or whatever. It's more just, like, not hating someone straight away. Yeah, and I mean, Yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, when someone's, let's say someone's boyfriend cheats on them, so often they're just like, no, nah, I hate that girl but I'll stay with my boyfriend. It's like, yeah. well, your boyfriend's a dick as well. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that the, the woman is blameless, but I hate how often people just kind of go after the other woman. Like, like the Beyonce, Beyonce thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hate on Becky, but also hate on Jay-Z. Yeah, what a piece of shit. <laughs> as if you would have an affair when you're with Beyonce. I know, like, yeah. She's just like, in the song, when she's like, don't you understand who I am? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, comment sections. Not great. But good for a rocker. How has your family reacted to your articles? Um, I think my parents are just like really happy that I'm finally making something of myself after <laughs> many years of doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they read them all anymore. They used to. Like when it first started, they were kind of reading it super frequently. But now... And I mean, part of this is because my mum doesn't know how to use the internet. Ex like, unless something's in her bookmarks. Yeah. She's like, how do I go to this website? I'm like, type it in the address bar. And she's like, what, what is that? <laughs> so she doesn't know how, like, unless, and, um, unless I post the links to the articles on Facebook. And both my parents are hidden from my Facebook, my personal one anyway. So unless I post the link on Facebook, she won't know how to go to daily life and look for it. Yeah. So... I would say that they probably don't read them anymore because I don't really send them directly to them. But um, generally, they're, they're pretty happy about it and supportive. There have been a, a few kind of awkward moments when I've written something about them that they might not have liked that much, um, which is not great because I am currently talking to publishers about writing a memoir. <laughs> so there will be a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Yeah, that's really hard because you don't want to not share your experiences. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that sharing your experiences is something that everyone has the right to do, but you also need to be aware of the real life consequences. Yes. And I mean, there are people who don't talk to me anymore because of stuff I've written about them, but they're just like ex-boyfriends or whatever. And I'm like, I don't really care. But yeah. if it's my mom, I kind of do care. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a balancing act and I have had to kind of censor myself a little bit sometimes. Mm. No, definitely, um, I get that. Yeah. Where do you get the inspiration for your articles? Just from my glorious life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of them are just about stuff that happens to me. So you don't have to um, consciously sit down and be like, right, what am I going to write about? Just sometimes like, I do. Yeah. Um, and I always, because obviously with writing anything, it's, it's better for, um, for the website and whatever if it's topical. So yeah. if it's about something that's happening and then you tie that into your own experience or something, it's better than if it's just like a random yeah. anything thing. So that's hard to kind of think of stuff that is topical. Yeah. But most of the time I just kind of write, write whatever um, stuff that doesn't really have to come out at a certain time. Yeah. And people still react to it. But yeah, there's definitely... Um, it's definitely better to write kind of current newsworthy things, yeah. but it's really hard sometimes, especially because yeah. Clementine Ford's got the feminism bit covered. So, <laughs> I mean, there's room for more than one feminist. There definitely is, but I think like in terms of like issues of dudes, like some man yeah. doing some sexist thing, like she'll always be on it first, and she does two columns a week, and I do one a fortnight. So, uh, the other hard thing is if I if something happens and I think of an article. By the time my column rolls around, it'll be old news. Yeah. But I have done... Like with uh, your Gorman article. Yeah, so I, yeah, so that wasn't my column. That was just me being like, hey, can I write this? Yeah. Um, so there is there is room for that too. But in terms of the column, I guess it's more just kind of 
most of those are just about me and my experiences but I always try to make them experiences that other people can relate to yeah so it's not just like reading someone's diary because that's quite boring <laughs> so <laughs> with the Gumman article oh they said that they weren't included in that for, um so in case people because this will come out in a few months mm. well like a month with Gorman they were have sort of been found as being not completely ethical with their clothing where it comes from and the transparency isn't there yes correct basically <laughs> and but they were just their argument was that they weren't included in they didn't want to be included in the original report well yeah so they they got bought out by factory x about seven years ago but i don't think factory x owns all of gorman it's, okay. it's just like parts of it or whatever but um yeah, so the report that came out, Factory X was like, we got an F grade because we didn't choose to participate. But there are other companies like Levi's who also didn't participate, but they got like a C plus. Okay. So, because I think there's still kind of like publicly available stuff that people can look at to figure it out. Yeah. So then people were like, what the hell, Gorman? Because when Gorman started, it was kind of like, oh, we're really into like sustainability and local and stuff. And, and so a lot expensive. of people, yeah, and a lot of people actually think that they're made in Australia but they haven't been for ages like most of their factories are in China and India so then obviously fans were like what the hell and then Gorman just didn't really say anything and then they put out this Instagram post of like a worker in a really shitty looking factory holding up a sign being like I made your clothes also how pretty are Gorman colors guys um it's relevant yeah I know so um when I, I tried to call them and they were like, oh, sorry, just email us. I emailed them a whole bunch of questions asking, like, how often are audits conducted and what was the result of the last one? Um, can you tell us what the conditions are in your factories? Blah, 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 blah. And then they replied with, like, a stock standard statement that was just like, um, oh, our F grade was a failure to reply, not a failure to comply. Um, we were going to take place in that um, fashion revolution week thing anyway. And I'm like, well, no, because all the Gorman photos on the Instagram are like really nice photos. And that factory one is like the worst photo I've ever seen. So it's like, clearly you just got out your camera phone because you were freaking out that everyone was um, reacting to you being the worst. Um, Yeah. So it's kind of disappointing, but it was nice to see how many people kind of reacted to it. Hopefully it encourages some changes. Um, yeah, and I think, I like, I know that it's really expensive to keep all production local, and there's nothing wrong with outsourcing. Because some people think, oh, if something's made in China, it's definitely bad. And it's not, because not all Chinese factories, yeah. hashtag not all Chinese <laughs> factories, um, are unethical. And yeah. it's not all exploitation, but, like, there, there definitely is the danger of that. Yeah. And it sucks... Like, it sucks to think that Gorman is probably using the same factories as, like, I don't know, Target or whatever. Stuff that's heaps cheaper. Mm. And Gorman quality is pretty pretty bad these days, but they're kind of just trading off the brand loyalty and this image they've had forever to keep charging a lot for stuff that is really poorly made. And people assume that if they're paying a lot for something, firstly, it'll last. And secondly, the money's going where it's supposed to go. But someone is like sitting on top of a pile of money somewhere. <laughs> and it's Scrooge styles. Like yeah. Into it. Yeah. So that's pretty terrible, but it was good to write that kind of article because it's pretty different to the usual stuff that mm. I do. Yeah. It was so, really good. I like oh, it. Thank you. Yeah. So that was a good kind of change of, from writing about, I don't know, having sex with people I hate or whatever. <laughs> so It's nice that you can approach their life and be like, I want to write about this. And they're like, yeah, yeah they're really, it. they're really cool to work with. And they're based in Sydney. Yeah. After you've released an article like the one that you did about casual sex fixing mm. my vag. Vaginismus? <laughs> is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, vaginismus. Vaginismus. <laughs> and getting responses and things from that. And it would also just be like a really personal article to write. Do you have any self-care tips? Um, I mean, with that stuff, I'm pretty chill about it now. So, so the first time I wrote about it was in 2014. So I, I got a thing published in Rookie. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So I just imagine you like being like, now I'm best friends with Tabi. Oh my God, I wish. <laughs> but yeah, so when that came out, that was really scary for me because I hadn't talked, like a few people knew about it that I'd just spoken to, like close friends and stuff. Yeah. But like my parents didn't know, a lot of my friends didn't know. So then I came out and I decided to share it with everyone. And that was really scary because mm. like that is something that 
is super personal and now I'm like well now I know that everyone knows about my <laughs> vagina which is really weird that is really weird yeah but um yeah but I think when I because because everybody was so supportive I never felt like bad about it or I never felt down about it yeah. so that's nice and with the casual sex one I was just kind of scared that my parents would find it <laughs> and my my sister told me that they were out with um my uncle's family and then my uncle was like so that article Giselle wrote was interesting and she just like massively kicked him under the table and he was like what but um yeah I mean self-care stuff probably not so much for that kind of thing but just in general if I'm having the shit one or just yeah. like you know make a cup of tea watch a movie probably something like suddenly 30 which is great <laughs> i watched it again recently oh my god i, I like, love ah. it because <laughs> i turned 30 this year and i was like yeah. i'm gonna get drunk and watch suddenly 30 it's so good in new zealand it's called 13 going on 30 but i don't even know why they had to change that for australia <laughs> like are we do they think that we just don't understand what that means maybe there was something else that was called that but 13 going on 30 makes it sound like she's just a really, like, old at heart teen. <laughs> Suddenly 30, I think, is a more accurate title. I, yeah, I, it's such a sweet movie. It's a wonderful movie. <laughs> Jennifer Garner. Oh my god, Mark Ruffalo. I know. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo in his hottest role. <laughs> and even when he was a little boy, he was yep. so cute and he made it at house. And she threw it at him. I know. Oh. But yes, so self-care. Yes, Because <laughs> I sort of have been feeling today like pretty tired and exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, after I go and interview, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get on the couch with the duvet and I'm going to watch that Iris Apfel movie that's on Netflix. Oh, what's and that? She's this woman in New York and she's um, this sort of like fashion icon. But she's oh, cool. Pretty old. And I'm really excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is that in the past when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, if, if it's like a Friday or Saturday night and I'm not out, it means I'm a loser and I have no friends. But now, like sometimes, especially because I'm working full time now, which I haven't for a while, working full time and freelancing yeah. and doing a regular column, if I can have a night in, I definitely will. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's so underrated. And maybe that's <laughs> how you know you're getting old when you're like super excited to stay home and read or something. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I really love home time. Yeah, it's great. Um, back to the friendship thing. Yeah. What is your opinion on squads? Squads. That word reminds me of the word squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good opinion. Depends what what so like defines. Taylor Swift and her squad of perfect Glamazons. Yeah, Taylor Swift, like, I love Taylor Swift so much. I love her so, so much. But I'm also like, you're such a white feminist. (laughs) Like, I love you, but stop. Yeah. And I mean, considering that people in her squad are like Lena Dunham, I'm like, your squad sucks. (laughs) But um, I don't know. Like, I think the whole idea of like a girl squad or whatever, it's, it's nice. But also, I really think that in a lot of, especially larger groups of any friends there's always going to be stuff that comes up Mm. like sisterhood and stuff it's it's nice but when you have really large groups of feminists and stuff it's always going to section off into little cliques and stuff yeah so but i mean that's that's not specific to feminist girl gangs that's like all people being friends ever but i think sometimes you kind of assume that because you're in a in a place where everyone's got the same values that everyone's going to get along forever and it no definitely does. doesn't work that way it's always really annoyed me how it's mostly sort of like in the workplace mm. I'm expected to sort of be friends with people because they're also women mm. but I'm like we just have nothing in common yeah totally everyone at my work's a woman it's great <laughs> there's one guy and he's there for one day a week <laughs> that's amazing I love it because <laughs> I value my friendships super highly yeah definitely and i've never been that person that's always like oh i don't have many girlfriends i'm more of a i friend. used to be like that when i was younger <laughs> yeah there's this um because you know people are like oh girls are too much drama yeah and there's this I've, I've there's this friends. tumble post and it's like quote oh girls are too much drama guys are no drama and then it's like read a fucking history textbook <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i used to be like that too and now i'm like I, I have guy friends like I have some really really good guy friends but 
generally like the girlfriends yeah. that I have are just better yeah. sauce guys I don't really have that yeah. many guy friends and I don't consider Joseph because he's my boyfriend to be like my guy friend yeah I mean I do have a handful of really really close male friends but I think like you meet so many much so so many much so many more cool women than cool men honestly <laughs> like if I meet a girl usually I'm like you're the best and if I meet a guy I'm like oh boring another guy yeah boring <laughs> stop so <laughs> Yeah, I um, my therapist said to me that I have this not wouldn't call it a problem, but because of some stuff that I went through in high school, if someone does me wrong or like misuses my trust, now I'm so quick to just like cut them off because I don't oh, yeah. want to be hurt by them and things. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I too do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, nope, you did me wrong. No, get more. in the bed. Friendship over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I probably need to work on that. Yeah. Be more understanding. I sort of feel like I have a three-strike rule. No, that's a, that's a good one. That's very generous. Mine's like a one-strike rule. <laughs> I think I think probably like one yeah. and a half. <laughs> I could aim for three strikes. Um, what would you tell your seventeen-year-old self? Stop being a dickhead. Oh. <laughs> In some ways, I reckon I peaked. I used to be very creative. I'm getting back into it now, but I used to write a lot more creative writing stuff. But 17-year-old me, I don't know, like, that. that's 10 years ago now, mm. and I was in year 12, and I wasn't studying very much, and I should have, but then I got into uni anyway, so whatever. Um, but I don't know, like, I think I was really concerned with, like, what people thought about me and, yeah. like, doing stuff because it would make guys like me and stuff. So I think I now I'd just be like, stop. <laughs> Because all the dudes you like at that age are the worst anyway, and you don't want them to like you back. I was really concerned about picking the right path for my future. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's terrifying that at the end of year 12, when you're 17 or 18, it's like, so what do you want to do forever? I know. And I did journalism at uni, but it was just kind of because I was like, well, like, I don't know what else to do. And some people like took a gap year and stuff but with my family it was just like no you got to go straight in so I went straight in and then did this degree that was fine but if I yeah. could go back I don't even know if I'd do that degree because I don't think that it taught, taught me that much yeah so. I didn't I went. I took a few years off and then went and did a year at uni but I was, even then I was like I don't know why I'm doing this I'm not I don't want to do a bachelor of commerce and yeah I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life so I was like I'm just not gonna waste the money or time yeah, and I think it's also because there's so much pressure to yeah. to pursue further education, as if like if you don't go to uni, it means that you're not very smart or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like I think I just did it because it was the done thing. So maybe if I could go and talk to teen me, I'd just be like, just do what you want, because yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. So I think I'd say something like, change is inevitable. Like whatever you pick, it will it will change. You will always be changing. Yeah. And I would also tell my 17-year-old self not to date my first boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the same. <laughs> um, what was it like being on the Shoshelle FM panel? It was so great. So I moved to Melbourne four, four and a half years ago and I started going to Shoshelle FM like every month. I haven't been that much recently, but I used to go to every single one that they did when it was still at the Gasso. So this mm, was a long time ago. I haven't ago. been to that one. Yeah, so it, it hasn't been there for like three years probably. But um, yeah, no, it was great. So I met, where did I meet them? Oh, I met Karen and Jess when I we were on Triple um, R with Listen. Mm-hmm. So um, they did like a summer radio spot on Sundays. And then they had, um, so Evelyn Morris runs Listen and I met them last year. Um, through some listen stuff and then listen had this radio show and they wanted to do an episode about um, emotional labor and feminism and how we can hand some of the emotional labor to men Hmm. Um, so Ev asked me if I wanted to be on it and Jess and Karen were there too so we chatted about it um, live on air which is low-key terrifying (laughs) Um, handing emotional yeah what like what sort of stuff just like the emotional labor of feminism, why is it that we have to kind of like educate men and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, how can we kind of get men more involved? Um, and I mean, Karen and Jess was talking about stuff like 
getting guys involved in slut walk and stuff, but not in the main roles. Yeah. So like we need men in supporting roles. Let's not be like, no, you do everything. Yeah. But and <laughs> and even just being subversive by making them be like a coffee bitch or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so we chatted about that. It was a really great conversation. So that's where I met them. Um, and I was like low-key freaking out because <laughs> I I have just admired Karen for such a long time. And that was the first time we properly met without me just like lurking in the shadows, <laughs> staring at her lovingly. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Karen. Yeah, Karen she's Franco. wonderful. And now she has a baby. Imagine if she was your mom. Um, <laughs> hi, Karen, cool if you're listening. Baby, um, yeah, so that's where I met them. And then Jess messaged me on Facebook just saying, hey, we're doing a panel about feminism and journalism. Would you be interested? And I read it and just like openly wept with joy because when I was when I first moved here and started going to them I was like oh I wonder if I would ever be on one wouldn't that be great and then I was like no probably not because I'm not a notable person in any way so it was really exciting so it was me Amy from Archer and and Laurel Irving from Channel 7 yeah so I got there on the day I was very nervous because panels I don't know like it's it's cool because it's just kind of like a conversation so you can just let it flow but at the same time I I didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about. Mm. So I was like, hmm. So then when someone was like, all the drinks are on us, I was like, yes. And just drank a whole bunch of wine. So I have not listened back to it. But um, yeah, no, it was a a really good conversation. And yeah, like I had had a really good time and I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah. One thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, I'm still trying to formulate complete opinion on it is this idea of men being feminist but being referring to themselves as allies Mm. and because i've known some great feminist men but and also some trash ones (laughs) (laughs) yeah and just whether or not they should be and and the roles that they should take should definitely be allied roles yeah no definitely um, I don't know, because there are people who are very kind of strict on saying men should not be allowed to call themselves feminists. I think and, that's crazy. And I don't I don't really take that line. I understand where it's coming from, yeah. but I'm like, well, as long as they, they know when to shut up and yeah, they're not exactly. like speaking over people and stuff, there's nothing wrong with calling themselves feminists. But um, have you seen Matt McGorry? <laughs> oh my God. I was just talking about it with a friend so this morning. So tell me about this, because I thought that he was pretty great, but I know that a friend... I think he's just so smug and I'm like stop I saw a really funny tweet um, because he there was an article from Slate or something um, and they tweeted a picture of Matt McGorry it was like Matt McGorry like doesn't want a gold star for being a feminist and my friend retweeted and was like good because I wasn't offering one (laughs) yeah it is almost like the way that it's publicised and he's put on this like feminist pedestal yeah I think I don't think he's a bad dude or anything, but I think he's just so smug about it. And then he made this shirt that, like, this feminist shirt and is selling it and stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so glad that you're making money off of being a male feminist. (laughs) And it's just annoying because, like, I've read the stuff he says and I agree with all of it. Yeah. But then he says stuff like, oh, I really, like, men really need to, like, shut up. I'm like, yeah, they do, Matt. They do. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, it's just, it just feels so showy. Yeah. And it's annoying that he gets all this praise. It's just like that um, Justin Trudeau, how every time he opens his mouth, the internet yeah. just explodes. And I'm like, <laughs> he literally is saying the same stuff that women have said forever. So I yeah. guess if I'm talking about wanting to like have rights, it's boring. But if Justin Trudeau or Matt McGorry talks about it, it's like revolutionary. I guess it's a really good annoying. example is Hannibal Buress. Oh my god, love him. Exactly. Yeah. He is someone that has said stuff and people have been like, you're amazing for saying this. He's like, I've just been saying the same shit that everyone else has yeah, been saying. Yeah, totally. But I don't like... He doesn't. He's not as loud about it and he's not... Yeah, so I think the thing about Mamagori is just that he's so like self-congratulating <laughs> and just... On- Maybe I'll find out when his birthday is and just send him a little thing that'll just like a bat like thing that will pat him on the back. It'll be like, <laughs> just use this. Every time you want to talk, just put it on your back instead. Then you won't have to go tell the internet yeah. so people can do it for you. Yeah. 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 So, but I mean, it's nice that men are saying these things, yeah, it's but a, it's more just like the, this media obsession with like men being feminists as if it's the most 
novel kind of amazing thing ever mm. where you shouldn't have to it is and that tricky line though because do we then say just stop talking but then is yes. that making other people <laughs> yeah it's hard it is really hard yeah but i think there are also male feminists not even celebrity ones just ones that i know and I'm like, I would actually prefer it if you were just a straight-up misogynist because you're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, something that really frustrates It's me. so frustrating. Yeah. Because it's just like, there are guys I know, every time I see them, they're like, oh, hey, Giselle, I saw someone the other day and they said something really sexist, so I told them that it was sexist. And I was like... <laughs> That is so great. Congratulations. Would you like a cookie? You still can't join the cool goods club. Yeah. And I like I had a boyfriend who was a, a little bit like that too. And he was actually just such a deep down massage. Mm. But because I wrote the article about male feminists too, which maybe. I read that one. Oh, it's called, it's, I think it's called Why I'm Wary of Men Who Call Themselves Feminists, which was not my title for it. But. Um, what would the, your preferred title have been? I don't know. Male feminists. You're the worst. Burn them all. <laughs> um, no, but it was more just about like dating guys who say that they're feminists but are only down with feminism when it's on their terms. Yep. So I've had two boyfriends like that. One was like, oh, oh, I think it's so cool you're a feminist. I would never date someone who wasn't. I'm like, yes, I am doing it just for you. But um, And then after we broke up, he said, oh, I just felt like when we were together, I could never be myself around you because oh. um, I really had to watch what I – said especially if it was about race or gender i'm like well what the <laughs> hell were what you were gonna you say what was probably not a bad thing that mm. you had to watch what you said because it was probably gonna be trash yeah but yeah um and then the other one was like yeah yeah of course i'm a feminist oh, some of my best friends are feminists he actually said that <laughs> um but yeah then kind of just revealed himself to be super not and would say stuff like what do you mean you're scared of walking home alone at night didn't you mm. know that male homicide rates are higher and stuff like that so yeah so the article is just kind of about that and how there are and then obviously with both those guys when I was like actually you're being a bit sexist or whatever they'd be like why are you being so extreme you're such a bitch blah 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 and I'm like okay so you're like down with feminism but only your kind of feminism and then when I tell you you're actually being sexist now I'm I'm the bad guy like I don't get it so yeah the article was just kind of saying like it's it's pretty shit to be in a relationship that's supposed to be a safe space and then find your, finding yourself coming up against all the stuff that you're trying to prevent yourself from coming up against in the real world. Because you can choose your partner and they're a huge part of your life. So yeah. when it is revealed that yeah. they're like that, it, it sort of feels like a betrayal, which yeah. sounds very no, dramatic, but it's true. It's meant to be your safe space. Yeah. And then to go through it all day, every day with these microaggressions of... Yeah, not even micro, just <laughs> flat out aggression. The sexism, and then to come home and be like, let's do something. Oh, still more. I still have to deal with Yeah, more. and I got really exhausted in that last relationship because we, we were just arguing stuff like that constantly. Yeah, and then, tough. and he would always kind of do that devil's advocate thing, which is like unnecessary I in hate that it. situation. I hate it. It is unnecessary in literally every situation. <laughs> because the thing with men doing the devil's advocate thing when it comes to like gender and race and all that stuff that doesn't affect them is for them it's just kind of like a fun little game where it's like, oh, like hypothetically, blah. But it's mm. like, well, it's not a fun game for me because I am a woman and I'm not white, blah, blah, blah. So I have to deal with that stuff every day. So when your partner's arguing that stuff, even if it is just hypothetical, it's like you don't realize that what you're saying has actual impacts on me because this is my life mm. every day so yeah so that male feminists then not great <laughs> i read this article in the age this morning and it was about you know that paypal panel that was going to be about discussing diversity in the workplace and it was all men paypal yeah like the company paypal we're going to have a oh really gender no, diversity panel. That. that sounds shit and it was all men <laughs> and so this the men that are like australia's top paid like men for panels and things are all taking a stand and they're like we're not going to go on panels anymore unless there's actual diversity that's nice yeah so stuff like that is good (laughs) but it's like yeah just everyone should just do better true correct (laughs) including like i i can be better literally everyone can be better like everyone's got things that they're not that good at so i can be better yeah do you have a feminist recommendation uh, I recently read Carrie Brownstein's memoir, 
Yes. Which is really great. Have you read it? Yes. It's so good. It's and so I mean, good. I guess that's not like straight up feminist. No, but it's but really There's good. a lot of stuff in there that is yeah. pretty relevant. And I mean, I... Did you go to her talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. That Except was for so the questions. Good. They were so bad. I know. <laughs> she was terrible. Like... It made me sort of get a little bit like, oh, I'm going to be interviewing people. How am I going to not oh, be myth. terrible? Oh, no, I meant the audience questions. <laughs> like, Carrie, oh, I saw you're playing at the Crocs and it's so shit. You should go see other stuff in Melbourne. She she's like, like, well, actually, if you read my book, you would know that I lived here. And I was like, ooh, burn. <laughs> and then sometimes when she... But even with the myth questions... Like, myth was so bad. She would ask a question and like Carrie her. would just be like... Yep. <laughs> or no, when, or make it about herself. Like, oh, so when you were writing about your mom's eating disorder, was that hard? And Carrie's like, no, not really. <laughs> She's like, well, I know when I write things like that, it's really hard for me. I'm like, cool story. We literally are not here for you. But yeah, so the memoir I thought was really great. It was beautiful. Yeah, she's such a good writer. I loved, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I loved how she sort of said in that talk, when she started it, she started it from such an like, the way she started it was... The book? Yeah. Oh, with the... The tenseness? Slater Kinney breaking up. Yeah. yeah. And this yeah. gave you such a feeling of tense throughout the whole book. And I was like, oh, you did do that and I did feel that. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And I didn't realise... Um, yeah, because I've been a Slater Kinney fan for a while. And I didn't realise how hard she struggled through it as mm. well. Like, that stuff was really full on. And then being in a band with your ex and all that yeah. stuff. Like, it's... Pretty full on. But I really enjoyed the book. I, did I thought it was quite interesting that she didn't really talk about TV at all, though. Yeah, I Except for well. that bit, like, in the last chapter where she was like, when I was making Portlandia something. I was like, talk more about that. Yeah. But yeah, I liked that. And at the moment, I'm reading The Natural Way of Things. That's intense. Have you read it? Yeah. It is so full on. I, I actually <laughs> cried reading it yesterday because I was like, this is horrific. Yeah. I love it. Like, I'm really, really enjoying it. But it's so... Yeah. It's just really taking a lot out of me. So for anyone who doesn't know about the natural way of things, <laughs> it it's, won the Stella Prize it did. recently and is about um, a group of women who are just kind of like stranded somewhere in the bush so um, and then find out that they're all there because they have all been involved in a sexual scandal. And then, yeah, it's... What a way to deal with it. Just like, oh, we'll just ship you well, off. Well, apparently it's based it. on something real. What? So she read something about a group of girls in like the 50s or 60s in Hay in New mm. South Wales who were kind of just shut yeah. away there. For, I don't know if it was for a sexual scandal thing, but... Um, I guess with the way that they used to treat girls that got pregnant, how mm. they'd ship them off to places, yeah. it's kind of a similar sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a really well-written mm. book and like I just it's so disorientating to read and I think especially because it's set now but it really doesn't feel like it so when they talk about like Facebook and The Bachelor and stuff I'm like what the hell but yeah. I think that just kind of adds to how like head fucky it is yeah, it's so grim. Um, yeah but it's a good like it's a really good ex- exploration of like misogyny and friendships and stuff like that but it's it's horrifying and it has the grossest descriptions of stuff too. Have you finished it yet? No. Okay. So um, I've nearly finished it. I'm probably like three quarters of the way through. Ooh. But um, yeah, the descriptions of like their pussy wounds, like seeping <laughs> stuff and them like killing the rabbits and yeah. stuff. It's really gross. Especially loved- for a vegan. Yeah. My friend was like, I'm sorry, I should have warned you. <laughs> but yeah. I loved her speech that. I read it out recently on the podcast, but um, mm. when she, the speech that she did talking about how some people who have won prize money have given them away in the past, yeah. and she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep it because I earned this and I deserve this. And yeah. being a writer is such a struggle all the time. I mean, it's so thankless in a lot of ways as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she's really cool. And I, I'm really enjoying that book. Although I think I read somewhere that she said that she didn't want it to be like a straight up feminist mm. book. I can't remember exactly what she said. I'm like, soz, soz Charlotte. <laughs> but no, I think she said she didn't want it to be a perfect feminist book. So there's definitely parts in it yeah. that really aren't. Um, but then that's kind of just showing that the people are human and, and stuff. But yeah. So I'm really enjoying that as well. And those are my feminist recommendations. I struggled to think of one for today because... I want to recommend the Beyonce Lemonade album. Survey. I haven't even listened to slash watched it yet. I'm halfway through watching it. You don't want to. You don't want to 
recommend it. Oh no, I definitely do. But the fact that like, this will come finished. out in like a month and people will be like, "That's such old news." Yeah, but well now bad. they know. Yeah, Soft too guys. bad. I'm recommending it. It's amazing. There's this whole video clip of from my favorite song, which is "Sorry," and Justin Bieber. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's taken off his dreads now, so good. Oh, so gross. But um, where Serena Williams is like twerking next to Beyonce. Yeah, and it's fucking amazing. Oh my god. And I I'm just it. like, I could watch this all day. Just make a little gif on loop <laughs> and the, oh, stick it up on your wall at home. <laughs> I've already searched like the gify thing for some of the gifts because mm. they're just she's just so amazing. Yeah. Oh Beyonce. Yeah. What other? I'm just trying to think if I've come across any other cool feminist stuff. But I think I've, I've just been I started reading Natural Way of Things maybe like five days ago, and I literally have not thought about anything else. And I'm yeah. like, when can I finish it? Because <laughs> we uh, bought it for a few people for Christmas. Yeah, but hadn't I hadn't actually read it myself? But I was just like, this cover's beautiful, and it is a beautiful cover. And Joe's mum read it and loved it, and I was like, all right, I've got to read it. And I read it and loved it, but it was so grim. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, not a, it's not a happy. It is. Read. It is truly not happy. <laughs> Um, but and I've also read stuff where people have compared it to The Handmaid's Tale. Yes, that's I think why um, I wanted to read it. Yeah, which I haven't actually finished. I think I've read half of The Handmaid's Tale, but it's, I'll definitely have to go back to it. Yeah, it's, which I find found also quite jarring and horrifying. It's quite dry as well. Yeah. a lot of the time. But that, I mean, I think that one was because it's like the the world is like they need to make more babies, right? Mm, yeah. yeah, and so there were some pretty gross. Yeah, things where they had to go like bone the dude and stuff, and yeah. I was like, I hate this. And but, she, yeah. there's a very the scene that sticks in my head is that they have like a set night where she has to sleep with the, the guy, the male yeah. of the household, and because his wife is unable to bear children or whatever, oh yeah, 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 she has to hold like she has to be a part of it still as well, and she's yeah. like holding her on the bed whilst the guy like does it, and I'm like, oh just yeah it's awful. pretty grim <laughs> but i should definitely because re- i did really enjoy it while i was reading it and then i just never finished i'm a massive but, Atwood fan yeah i like because i i have been reading heaps this year um but i wasn't for years before and i was like how am i gonna get back into reading yeah and then i started working at melbourne writers festival and it appears that shame is a massive motivator <laughs> so <laughs> And it's not because anyone was like, you should read more, but it's just because whenever we have lunch together, we just all talk about books. And I was like, shit, I need to read more. So now I'm smashing like two a week and I'm like, thanks, Melbourne Writers Festival. And really enjoying it. Yeah. I don't even know how I went for so long without reading. Because now I'm like, like reading before bed. I don't really catch public transport that much, but when I do, it's nice to read on the tram. That's when I read the most is on the train. Alright, thank you so much for this. This has been so good. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And also we've been eating cookies. I know. They've been so good. (laughs)